0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am currently joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. Hi. Hi, Dave.
2: Hi. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, it's, it's snowing a lot round here. I don't know what it's like round your way, but it's uh, it's beautiful. We've had, had a fair countryside.
1: Bit. We've had a fair bit, but like I mean, having lived in Montreal for a year, I'm now forever going to be for the rest of my life the boar who's like, this isn't this is snow. This is dandruff. <laughs> it's dandruff. <laughs> Montreal, the snow. You didn't even notice this. You'd be sunbathing in this. It's it's amazing how quickly your body. I just like after Montreal I thought I would never be cold in Britain again because I yeah. I got used like minus 10 didn't feel particularly cold by the end of that in Montreal but now Jesus. like really quickly I'm just like there's if it's 10 Celsius outside I'm still in my
2: massive north face coat <laughs> I remember uh, when I was I don't know if maybe I'm painting a to Kentian. Portrait of my childhood, but I remember the winters were, were bitterly cold. But we would still go off, and um, we had a tradition where we'd run into the the North Sea, at the at the sound of like the twelve bells at New Year's, you know, strip off, run into the North Sea, just something to do because you know it's a quiet village, not much else going on. But now, I I thought I would be accustomed to the the cold, like you're saying with Montreal, but Jesus, the heating is permanently on. It's permanently on in this house because it's I so frigging cold. I always forget you grew up in the 16th century. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: um, Paul, you all right?
0: I'm good, yeah, not too bad. Just getting fl- I'm getting flashbacks to the North Sea from Dave because we right. we would go on holiday to Scarborough every year for about 10 years in a row, and there's there's a level of cold you don't get from any other sea apart from the North Sea.
1: That's just giving me a memory. My dad, when I was about eight, my dad decided to buy a a little sailing dinghy. like Not one without, because my dad liked sailing when he was a kid, right? So he bought a sailing dinghy. We lived in Newcastle at the time. So that's like no cabin on it or anything. It's like a sailing boat, but very small and open to the elements. And he decided to buy one and we would do it like on a Tuesday night in Newcastle. We'd go down to Tynemouth. We'd have our dinner after school in November and he'd be like going, right, you need, before we go on a boat, you need to know the, the lingo. So jib, when I say jib, you've got to du- you know, do all of this stuff in the North
0: Sea in November on a weeknight. Yeah, I think the only the only word you need to know for the North Sea in November is fuck. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pure victims of my dad's midlife crisis at that point. Um, so let's talk about football. Uh, there's one football club who's for the last eighteen months been the victim of somebody else's midlife crisis.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Strong segue. <laughs> and that is uh,
1: Newcastle United Football Club. Uh, Let's talk about our most recent match. It was against Southampton. It was on Saturday afternoon, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. D- did you, Dave?
2: Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah, I did. it was an enjoyable game. There was plenty going on. For the neutral, it will have been thrilling. For the Newcastle fan, it was, for about half an hour, nerve-tinglingly terrifying. Um Which is silly because, you know, you step away from it and we're pretty much safe because of everything else that's going in the league. But it just felt like to be where we were for that, in that game, for it to then become in jeopardy was, was, it was insane. It was really enjoyable watch, though. Should have gone to Paul first to be more jolly. Paul? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think what.
0: Even if we'd drawn or lost that game, the way it played out, it was like it was tense, and you sort of—I found myself standing up a lot. Just you mm. know, you find yourself like pacing around like a crab. Because you don't know whether to sit or stand. But we've not had that for quite a long time until lately, and I'm really enjoying that being back. I sort of realised this is. Teams of other football clubs have had this during lockdown. It feels like since the start of the pandemic, we've just been average at best and there's been no excitement. And recently, it's it's almost insulting having that back and being like, oh, we've, we've just been denied this for so long. But yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought, it, was, I,
1: really, it was, I thought we got two different football matches from it, both of which were enjoyable in different ways and both of which were kind of good performances. You got the the first half was a continuation of what has been an improvement in our style of play and positivity. And it was great. Some good goals, a debut from Joe Willock, I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute that went really well. And then and you had, in the second half, we got ourselves into a situation courtesy of Jeff Hendrick, who for a, a stupid half hour I thought was hard done by it. And still I saw a proper replay of it and the context of it. And you no, know, it was a definite yellow card and it was really idiotic to do it in that moment. So we got put into a situation by uh, Jeff Hendrick. And then we were very unlucky with what happened to Fabian Shaw towards the end. But it was still a, but the players who remained on the pitch, I thought it was a really sort of gutsy performance. And it, it just, as a, as a fan, it engages you, right? It, that's that's why you're on the edge of the seat because it feels like, yes, Southampton could have scored and and I wouldn't have, you know, been angry about that. You know, that could have happened. There was, but when that, uh, when it went off the post from Ings and straight back into Darlow's hand, I thought, sort of thought, well, maybe this is our day.
0: It had yeah. shades of those performances in the season when we finished fifth. When they were like there were really mm. hairy moments of goal line clearances. But at the end you you get that feeling that again we've not had for a while of like, I really like these players. Yeah. Do you think we're gonna well, finish
1: was, uh,
2: <laughs> Yeah, <not> definitely. <laughs> at least. I was gonna say that um what Paul took on there is like the the way that the game panned out, I cared about it for the first time in ages. I genuinely was edge of the seat. Desperate for us to to get across there, and the, the lads put the shift in. I thought that it was it genuinely it confounded my my belief that they didn't care because up until recently they just didn't look like they gave a shit. In a lot of games, a lot of games seemed to just pass the entire team by. But that game for those um, eight outfield players and the keeper to, to hold on for so long with not just two men down, but like a really key centre half and then we, i don't think we had a centre like uh, a a specialist centre half in the right position for the final what 15 20 minutes yeah it was it was an incredible performance by hayden jesus that that boy just he he i, I love him i absolutely love him
0: it is crazy every time we think we know who our best centre back is another one comes along but now we've run out of centre backs to be our best centre back. So the midfielders are getting in on it. Soon Callum Wilson is gonna be our like best centre back.
1: I thought well, Hayden I, think- I thought Hayden was all right. I feel like Hayden gets a sort of become the poster boy for he's people like him because he has when others haven't looked like uh he cares and has put in a lot of effort. But I mean, the defender who stood out for me was Paul Dummett coming back. Yeah, I he, was great.
2: I thought yeah was he was great. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Unbelievable performance.
0: Um, I think the uh, other thing with Hayden as well is he did give away the slightly needless free kick for their goal. But it's, yeah. to, it's more towards the end when we were hanging on and you think you're a central midfielder playing at centre back and doing a pretty damn good job. I wouldn't worry mm-hmm. about Hayden and Dummett being a centre back pairing. No, if, also, certainly under
1: those circumstances. Yeah, go on.
2: Also, where he gave away the free kick, yes, it was a silly foul. But where he gave away the free kick, it was against like against another team, a team without James Ward-Prowse in it. That that area, I would have fancied Darlow to set the wall up, or the keeper to have missed it, uh, the 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 opponent player to have missed it. But James Ward-Prowse is just a phenomenal set piece. Um, yeah, but you'd think you'd for prepare
0: that. for that as well, like. If anyone's playing Southampton, you think don't concede any free kicks close to the edge of the box.
1: So we should probably talk about the first half a bit. I mean, it's it's Mm. the second half that sticks in the mind because it was so insane. And according to Steve Bruce, we played 25 minutes with nine men, Um, which is not true because it was 15. (laughs) 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 But, but, you know, we played played a full game with nine men. Um, uh, But in the first half, We went in at the break. We scored three goals in the first half for the first time since... 2015? The 19th century, I think.
0: (laughs) The worrying thing about that stat, though, is it's the first time since we did it against Norwich under Steve McLaren when we got relegated. (laughs) Right. I remember feeling
1: incredibly positive about us uh, after that game. But um, the first big moment was... Joe Willick getting a goal, apparently it's the fastest goal ever by a Newcastle debutant in the Premier League. Um, the story goes, I'm sure we've all heard it by now, but apparently he had told St. Maximin, uh, when you get in those sort of situations, cut it back, I'll be there. And he lived up to his promise. Mm-hmm. Brilliant played by St. Maximin, and lovely mm-hmm. to have a midfielder, Uh, where he should be in those situations, doing a Rob Lee. Right, Paul?
0: Yeah, I think when we've said a lot recently about the long staffs and other central midfielders, like we've we've got a lot of central midfielders, but what is it we're missing? And we saw in 90 minutes exactly what we've been missing. It is that sort of box-to-box midfielder the goal was impressive enough, but he should have had two assists as well. It was like Wilson with a really good chance and that Shelby miss, both passes from Willock. And Mm. as good as Matty Longstaff and Sean Longstaff have looked in phases, I don't think they've had a 90 minutes that good over the course of any two or three games put together.
2: I I I think Matty Longstaff has had a 90 minute game where he's looked really good. But not in a not in a creative um, threat to the opposition way. More in a like combative, hard working way, where you come away thinking, "Oh, he's put in a shift. That's impressive." But like yeah. you say, Willicks, it's his first game, and we don't know if he can recreate this again. It might have just been the the excitement of the debut or whatever. But he looked really good and like you were saying it was 90 minutes full of energy full of running um tackling wasn't great but he was just putting opposition uh, the opponents under pressure and this is the same southampton team that comfortably beat us you know this season and we we were we were the better better team in both halves even though we were down to like nine men for the final Hour, if you blew <laughs> yeah.
0: the final. Well, no, to be fair to Bruce, he said we had nine men for the last half hour. We we had at least nine men, so he's not he's not lying. <laughs> no, that is true. I think um, with Willock as well, I can't think of a better debut since maybe Musa Sissoko against Chelsea. I think it, it
1: was that well, another moment. midfielder who made a great debut for us was John Joe Shelfie.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no,
1: no, no. who I just I. It was never mentioned. I, I There was one pass that John Gio Shelby played in the first half. He was by no means our, our most impressive midfield, midfielder of that game. But in the first half, he played a sort of left-footed cross-field
0: pass. It was just... It was caca-esque. It was stunning. He does was, have that in him, and it's nice... It's nice seeing him as one of three central midfielders so we're not relying on him to do the donkey work. I think that's the most secure you can feel with Shelby in a team. But the other side of Shelby was that miss where he just sort of lazily swatted at it.
2: Yeah. And also, in the in the dying embers of the game, I don't think he was putting in the same kind of effort as the, the other players. Um, I think that Shelby... Shelby in the first half was was great. He was picking the balls around and, like you say, some some wonderful passes. But I'd still i I'd still rather have somebody else in the team ahead of him.
1: Here's a, uh, I, I don't disagree with that. Here's a theory about Shelby. If I was making the case for the defence as to why he always looks quite lazy, maybe he's one of them players who just sort of feels that he is able to showcase his talent best when he is relaxed. Mm. He feels that he sort of has to be relaxed and therefore, I mean, that's not an excuse for not running, but like for that (laughs) finish,
0: things like
1: that, he just sort of, he's sort of trying to be relaxed, but when he's not confident, it all kind of falls down.
0: But like Mm. that that works with, Dimitar Berbatov was a good example of that. Yeah. But he would finish them as well. Yeah. <laughs> my my theory of Shelby is maybe he's working nights. And it's Quite just possible. tired. Yeah. Maybe he's one of the um,
1: one of our heroes, frontline workers. Yeah. <laughs> um so but, just, amazingly we've gone this far talking about the Southampton game and not mentioned Elmiron. Oh. Uh, great game. Playing in a new position. Does anyone want to describe what it is he's doing now?
0: Well, didn't he start? He sort of he sort of changed a bit when Wilson went off, didn't he, and kind of became the central striker. Or have I?
1: Yes, but before that, in the first half, he and in the last couple of games before that, he's playing as well as he's ever played for us, right? And he's sort of playing number (laughs) ten.
2: He's basically being played in the position that we said that would get the most out of him. Whereas that like number 10 role, that um, playing just off a striker, um, in this case, um, what it looks like is they've got uh, St. Maximum and Wilson up front and then uh, Almiron behind them, what it looked like. Um, he's flourishing in it, in that role. That number 10 role that he's playing just it's the player that we that I thought we'd signed.
1: A lot of running. It's nice to see him pressing rather than tracking back, although he's still doing that. But it's nice to see all that running that he does going in the right direction.
0: I think mm-hmm. as well, he's made us look for the first time in a while like a really effective counter-attacking team. But when you look at the players like St and Wilson, Fraser, that is sort of, that looks like where we'll get the most out of these players. And he's the sort of best fulcrum for that, of just picking up the ball, going 40 yards, drawing defenders out, not giving them time to get set, making space for the other runners.
1: He's also confident in a way that he hasn't been since he's been at the club, really, in terms of finishing. Mm.
2: That was a problem for him
1: for a long time, and now he is not only taking chances but he looks like he's going to take those chances doesn't he you'd like
0: and he's mm. having a baby have you seen his gender reveal video <laughs> no the, i haven't tell me about it. uh it's just him in his garden with his missus he picks a football up and kicks it and blue powder explodes oh fantastic yeah, what, were you, what did you crying. do you're you describing reveal? that
1: to me paul I'm,
0: I'm crying. <laughs> Don Paul, what are you gonna say? What was your gender reveal uh video? What for our son? Your son. Um
1: we uh, we put on a production of uh, <laughs> William Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. <laughs> <laughs> and um oh I can't remember the names of the characters. I was gonna do some joke about just oh it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah fine no gender reveal yeah but <laughs> he's, a, wank, he's, a he's a very it? it's, wank. it's all wank I, I hate him now anyone <laughs> if you'd have said to me a couple of hours ago i know someone who's had a gender gender reveal party i would have thought well they sound like a twat and um, so i'm not changing my opinion i've always loved miguel almiron i now hate him and I, I think, think we thing... should, I think we should sell him. At the, I think we should sell him at the earliest opportunity to take whatever we can get for him.
0: I think with things like this, it's very hard for us to remember that the footballers are children compared to us. They get they're going to make mm. mistakes like this, and it is a mistake. Having a general yeah, reveal video,
1: they really are children. I think I'm compared with all footballers. I think I may currently be. I might be approached, I, I know Giggs scored a goal when he was 40 and Sheringham did, but I, I might be older than both of them. I might now be older than any player who's ever scored a goal in the Premier League. So
0: That's not going to stop you trying to be a professional footballer, is it? No, I've still, it, if you want something enough, it will happen. <laughs> yeah, you're knocking on the door.
1: I'm not going to door, I've just, you know, at the moment I'm just mainly sort of like, Googling stuff, watching football. I've not, I haven't, i have not really, I haven't played in a long time. But I'm, not. yeah, but I haven't ever really played in an organised. No, but the designers is
2: there. I'm fighting my time. Yeah, you've got hunger and passion. That's all you need. That's all I you, are just a raw talent. That's all. You just raw talent, and uh, so actually, it's who you know. It's who you know, isn't it? That's the problem. That's so is. political.
0: Yeah, that's it. Would. It would be absolutely gutting to find out now that you were good enough to be a professional footballer, just as it's too late.
1: <laughs> I have a long-running fantasy in my head. The question I always ask is, if I was exactly as good at football as I am, which is really like bad, played football every day at school in the playground for 10 years, touched the ball like four times, like really really bad at football but if I was that bad at football but for whatever reason whenever I played in a match at what at any level I always scored a hat-trick just because it bounced off me in some way Mm -hmm. even if you could get me up to the world cup final I would always score a (laughs) hat-trick but I don't think I'd get there because like
0: We've had you know, know, this discussion
1: scouts, scouts might hear about my scoring stats in like school's football or Sunday leagues and then they'd come and watch me and they go well you <laughs>
0: we've we've had this discussion at least four times I'm in so different obsessed pubs, with this idea. But I I always say you would end up getting to the top level because there would always be someone just the one level above willing to take a chance on you and if you get a hat trick every game at every level it would mm. it would just happen
1: yeah. Apparently that's and it would story. be
0: wonderful to
1: watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently that's the story of how Darren Bent got his career. <laughs> I was trying to think of a name. Really. Um. So we're going to have a break in a minute, but is there anything else that we desperately need to say about the Southampton games? A lot of these.
2: Yeah, yeah, we need to mention that Callum Wilson's out, Javier Manquillo's out, and Javier Schaar's out. out. Fabian Shart sounds like he's gonna be out for the season. I don't know yeah. how long Wilson's gonna be or Mankio, but that's our realistically our only striker. Uh Manquillo is arguably our first choice right back. And Fabian Sharts, like, yeah, we've got a decent collection of centre halves, but they're all fucking injured. I think it leaves like Clark and Dummett that are fit to play centre back.
0: Yes, Fernandez
2: thing. is coming back, isn't he? I think. Yeah, I don't know how long he's going to be out for though. It's it's just it we've got a tough run of fixtures coming up. Mm. And to lose like especially when we're just getting into form and we're just it's just really frustrating. Because we, we are playing some good stuff and now we're like missing the, the best striker we've had at the club since Denver Bar. I and think and Fernandez is, back, from from what
1: I can see. Uh, Fernandez is coming back Lascelles is
2: coming back so yeah well hopefully yeah and hey if (laughs) if uh, if we can play well as we have done as well as we have done in the last few games in the next few games Joel Linton might score a hat-trick in every game and you know yeah mm
1: -hmm. and if we don't need to um, have if if we don't continue to play if we continue to play four at the back, then at least we only need two centre backs or two people who can play it.
0: Yeah. No. yeah. One other question, not necessarily related to that game, but mm-hmm. do you when do you think, if at all this season, Debravka's gonna get back in the team? I don't think he will this season, unless no. I think
1: it's gonna take a, a howler. From Darlow, I think he sort of drops off a little bit, mm. Darlow. He looks a little nervy in his sort of command
0: of the area for me. Because I think but, Dubravka is still probably our best keeper. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I think don't is, think Darlow
1: deserves to be dropped. I don't think, yeah, I don't think keepers lose their place really until they make an error. Certainly if they've already played a half a season. I just
2: yeah. don't think that yeah. happens. And, like you say, unless he drops a clanger or gets injured, Darlow's it. And I'm I'm fine with that.
0: It's a nice problem to have.
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't think having Dubravka in the side would... Sorry, I don't think having Darlow in the side is going to cost this many points. Um, so it's not like... It's not like we've got a, a shitkeeper who's in good form. I think Darlow's a perfectly serviceable Premier League keeper and for a club like us, he'll do fine. If um,
1: Dubravka wants to get back in the side, the smartest thing he could do right now is work on uh, filling in at centre-back. Yeah. yeah. Or, or centre-forward. Or centre-forward. And then he's got a <laughs> yeah. chance. Well, or maybe
0: Carl Darlow up with Steve Bruce's daughter.
1: Yeah, that's always the way. So uh, maybe I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll have a break now. And after the break, we will look into how we'll solve the p- potential long-term injury of Callum Wilson's situation. We will uh, address your questions or comments from social media. And we will have another game of the game. That is sweeping the nation, life after love. All right. <laughs> See you after the break. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike, e-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Good break, guys. Lovely. Really good piss. Oh, fantastic. I'm pleased for you.
0: You hear about Dave's piss. Apparently it was really good.
1: Superb. I don't don't think I've had a good piss with a real heavy flow for years. (laughs) um, uh, We were just, before we move on to social media, I think we need to solve the problem of Callum Wilson's absence, because we've said many times this season, if there's a player we really don't want to go missing is Callum Wilson. There are so many positives to take from the last game. His injury is not one of them. Who and how will we replace him and hopefully at least maintain some of this current positive tra- trajectory without him?
0: Uh Paul? I think the best like-for-like replacement that allows us to keep everything else the same is Dwight Gale. I think we yeah. sort of showed that towards the end of last season. like He got goals towards the end of last season playing in that role. I don't think Joel Linton is the answer. I don't, well, he's not the answer to much, really. I think I'd rather Carroll up front than Joel Linton, but I, don't, I think Carroll's a very a blunt tool. The only, the only other option, which I'd almost like to see, is a sort of Shearer, Bellamy Carol Almiron. but I'd, I'd like to see it, but I don't think it would work.
2: I think Jay, that um, I th- yeah, I think I think Paul's right that the Gale is the the most like for like replacement, but he doesn't offer a lot in like physicality. So it would really depend on who we're playing against. If we're if we're up against a team that presses a lot and perhaps doesn't isn't the physical side then absolutely go with Gale but a team where perhaps we're going to be more on the back foot and relying more on um, just lumping it forward to try and relieve some of that pressure and cause a problem from set pieces I do think you've got to go Joe Linton and I also think the new way that we're playing where we're creating a bit more chances the, the attacking players are on the ball a bit more I would say that that style of football would get more out of Joe Linton than the style that we have been playing. I'm not saying Joe Linton's great or a £40 million striker or anything, but I think you'd get more out of him. And I don't think you can play Carroll because, like you say, he's a blunt instrument and he can't play 90 minutes. So you'd have to be swapping them out on the half hour or so. So I would say, depending on the opposition, Gale and or... um, and then Joe Linton. Okay,
1: I'm surprised by your Joe Linton answer, but I, I don't poo-poo it. I respect it. I I wasn't... So when Wilson came off in the, the game the other day, I was a little surprised and disappointed when uh, Joe Linton was his replacement. But weirdly, I thought that it actually ended up working out all right once we, we went down to 10 men and eventually nine men and we were playing two banks of four.
0: Yeah, his Joe physicality
1: Linton, was his amazing, hand, yeah. but he was I would rather have Joe Linton in that situation than
2: Carol or Gale. Joe Linton yeah. put in a real shift. He was um I can't remember the stats, but it was something like um tackles, interceptions, uh, challenges, things hit. like that. He was Yeah. you know, he was, he was doing a job, taking up time. We offered he offered he had... no attacking threat, but then we offered very little attacking threat, so it's hard to say that that was his fault. It, but you know, we were down to eight eight outfield players. So it, I do think he's proved
0: he's proved over a very long sample set though that he is not a Premier League striker. I do no, I think I he's think he's that's... by some distance our fourth best striker. I think he's quite yeah, way behind Carol and Gale. Yeah. So I just at yeah, no point. I think you might as well put Saint Maximin up on his own rather than Joel Linton. For
1: well, I was anyway. going to say as a sort of wild card, yes. Whether you do have on their own up front, obviously it's not ideal, and you lose something by putting them up front and not having them a little deeper. But someone like Almeron or even Ryan Fraser,
0: just so you look got, at. Palace at times have had success having Ayu and Zaha basically playing as two two striker slash wingers. It's almost 4-4-2, but it's more of like a 4-6-0. You, but you basically have... By doing that, you you could potentially
1: basically just have better players mm. on the pitch. On the pitch, And sort yeah. of alternating being the one taking that opportunity. The problem is that you're less likely to have them someone running into the six yard box to to take that chance because they don't have a striker's instinct. But Joe Linton certainly doesn't have yeah. that. Yeah.
0: Nobody's less Gale likely. Does, to be fair, but. No one's less likely to run into the six yard box than Joe Linton. That's the yeah. thing I would rather I'd almost rather not field anyone.
2: Yeah, but that's right, I mean, that's Dwight, Dwight a Gale is a
1: Dwight Gale is a proper striker, but yeah. he doesn't feel very in favour.
0: And, but Dwight Gale, you know, end of last season, was scoring one in two yeah. in the Premier League, so I
2: think and I t- it should be second I t- I tell you, And I tell you what, the the way that we're playing now is creating more, much more opportunities for our um, attacking midfielders to score. Yeah, I mean, Almiron got two against Southampton, and uh, Willit got one. So there is, and I, you know, Saint Maximum has got a goal in him. I think we've got threat from midfield. So perhaps to, I don't know, either to strengthen my case or or ruin it. When you play with someone like Joe Linton, you don't play him as like the the guy that's going to score the goal, but the guy that's going to play the pass that's going to result in the goal. Like, If they were all fit, fit,
1: I would rather have Amaron, St-Maximin, Fraser... And uh, the other one, (laughs) all on the pitch, all on the pitch (laughs) at the expense of Dwight Gale.
0: Yeah, I sort of think as well, I just don't think there's any need to resort to Joe Linton. I think Wilson against Southampton had a pretty average game by his standards. He played at the level Dwight Gale probably would. And I think it would just be like for like like Dave saying, our midfield are creating enough now. Mm. I think Gail would fit in better to that and would get into those positions. I think yep. Gail's movement would actually create more space than Joel Linton's lack of movement.
2: Yeah, that's that's fair. I, I mean, I'm, I, I need to be clear. I'm not saying Joel Linton should be is. Well, maybe
0: get his dick day. out your mouth, Dave all i'm saying
1: <laughs> well i think we've we've talked about a lot of different permeations there and we've talked about it longer than i expected but that doesn't and mean we've made up the there.
0: word permeations <laughs>
1: yeah um so now let's go to uh, social media we've had uh, a few questions and comments not many but maybe that's a blessed relief um Paul M says, thoughts on Alex Bruce blocking Newcastle fans on Twitter? If he thinks the criticism is harsh, he shouldn't tell his dad. He clearly, I mean, if (laughs) listen, Paul, I pride myself on not knowing what Alex Bruce is doing on Twitter. I mean, it's hard to think of something that I think about less. Yeah, I I wasn't
0: aware that that was a thing. I'm glad I wasn't aware. I couldn't give less of a shit. Yes. I mean it's a I mean, depends
1: what they've said. I mean he's a he's his own man. He can block whoever he wants from Twitter. You know, I would imagine that he's been getting abused therefore as block people. <laughs> Fine. Fine. I have no issue with Alex Bruce blocking Newcastle fans from Twitter. He can block whoever he fucking likes. <laughs> um, Alex Fusco said, In fact, Paul, I'm blocking you. No, I'm not. I'm not. Thank you very much for your um Thank you very much for your correspondence. Alex Fusco says, why is Marty Longstaff so far from the starting 11? He looks promising when he plays, but hasn't started for a while now. And was it even in the squad for the Southampton game? No, he wasn't, was he? Apparently the club were thinking of loaning him and his brother out in January. Yes, that is true. What is go? I mean, we did um, talk a little bit about the Longstaff brothers as a pair on the la- last podcast and how Joe Willick's loan signing Um, set them back a bit what is going on with Matty Longstaff
0: it's an odd one because you look at the performances he's put in this season when he's been asked to play and they've all been sort of seven out of ten probably and then you look at like he sort of he has to make one tiny mistake and then he's out of the picture and then you look at players like Shelby and Hendrick who can seemingly fuck up at will but they'll still get picked. It does feel overly harsh on him. Sean Longstaff, mm. I can understand, because he had plenty of chances and just looks a shadow of the player he was. But Matty Longstaff looks like he's got the energy that we've needed. And I don't know what the problem is. Presumably there's something going on. But
1: I mean, you wonder whether... I mean, the thing is, he has played a few games this season, but I would wonder whether there's a little bit of... Um sort of uh, negative atmosphere around him behind the scenes because of everything that went on with the contract in the summer. I did I did hear it said that there's talk that his he's lost some weight and they're a bit worried about his physicality at the moment. I've heard that that's a thing with Matty Long stuff.
0: I don't know. but He um, doesn't look much lighter than Joe Willett, for example, though, does he? Sure, yeah. I mean...
1: It'll be interesting. Hendrick, is he now suspended because of... Yeah. Yeah. so Will it be a a like-for-like replacement with Matty Longstaff going in there?
2: It'll Uh, be interesting
1: to see... mean Hayden's still going to be at centre-back.
0: I would like to see a midfield that has Hayden, Willock and one other in, if we are doing that sort of three central midfielders. I think Shelby or... Either of the long staffs would be good in that system.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: Well, well, I guess we'll see. Geordie uh, Ash says, Why were we absolute dog shit for a dozen? I mean, this is, here we go, this is aimed at you and Paul. Why were we absolute dog shit for a dozen matches and look like a completely different time now? Most play- players didn't seem to care, but now the players are fighting for the cause. I know that Ferguson Paul think Graham Jones coming in has absolutely nothing to do with it. All right, Geordie Ash. Um, what do I think about that? I think that I don't, I don't really... I, I stand where I was before. Graham Jones may have made a bit of difference. I think it's just ridiculous how much has been played on it. It's just a new coach. And, that, and this new history, it's, it's, it's sort of a rewriting of history. Yes, we have had an upturn in form. But we have had little moments of that over the season. We had we were talking, at least on this podcast, around the Christmas period, about how uh, we were excited about how we had done against uh, Liverpool, and I think we would had an all right performance against Manchester City. We hadn't got like much so out what, of it in terms of.
0: I think the thing you have to. Fair though, Graham Jones had snuck into the club for those games.
2: Yeah, under pretty
0: cover pretty of darkness.
2: Pretty, you too pretty. look the, the credit that the team received for the performances against Liverpool and Man City were about endeavour and effort and intensity because that was something that had been lacking for ages so that was the credit they were getting it wasn't particularly that we were playing good football it was just the, the, the 11 players on the pitch were were grafting their arse off and that deserves credit the uptick in performance Across the team, that's happened in the last three three and a half games, is worth setting aside and saying it's different from the occasional win against Everton or um, against uh, West Ham or something like that. The good performance there because it was it was a, a more complete performance. So that's why the fans are are mm-hmm. rightly praising the team and rightly praising the the performances. And they're saying, "Well, what's changed?" And the only thing that's changed um, since the since like the second half, well, second half against Leeds really was the players were putting in more an effort. Then Jones comes in, and suddenly we're playing better football. Now it, you might be right that it's not down to to Jones. And I, I would say that that's that's reasonable, not, but I think I'm it's not, also this, reason, is it, the, this is the thing. No, no, that, no. Like, it's not all down to Jones. Is what I meant to say. Not a little bit down to Jones, not all down to Jones. I get that. But you also have to admit that like something's changed and then we've got a lot better, like a lot better. And you have to say, well, if that's the only thing that's changed, surely that is the, a bigger, a bigger part of the puzzle. I
1: don't don't want to go into the same argument as last week. I don't know what you're trying to do, but I feel like I'm about to, but like, I just, for me, it's just not binary. What irritates me is the way it was just so... You could just predict it so easily that if anything positive happened after Graham Jones came in, it was suddenly going to be like, oh, well, there was no way... All you have is... It feels like for a lot of people the only thought process that goes in is like, how can I distance this positive thing that has happened to Newcastle? How can I make sure that Steve Bruce gets zero credit for it. I'm not even... I'm not saying he deserves credit for it, but I'm just... The fact that people were going through... The thing that got me so much, and I'm not saying that you did this, Geordie Ash, but a lot of Newcastle fans did, and there were lots of tweets of this with getting thousands of likes, pictures of Graham Jones talking to Newcastle players and giving instructions... Like, this has never been done by a coach before. Like, that didn't happen in every single other game this weekend that a coach gave instructions to players from the sidelines. And there were pictures of it with Newcastle fans going, Look, there's, we've got, finally, we've got a coach in there giving instructions while Steve Bruce, look at him, he's just standing there not knowing what to do. And I've, it's, and it's, that just really annoys me because he's so. Yeah.
0: I think as well, the Southampton game was a perfect microcosm of anything good that happened. The first half was all down to Graham Jones. As soon as Hendrik gets sent off, it's like it's Bruce's golden boy. Why has he picked him? It's just like you can't so, just cherry pick so,
1: so in, answer that to to question, in answer to your question, in answer to your question, Geordie Ash, you, you may well be right. You probably are right. It's not, it's, there is, you can't ignore the fact. That there has been an uptick in form, performance, uh, and a, 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 a more cohesive sort of formation, and all of that. Almiron is being played in a position that works for him, and all of that has coincided with the arrival of Graham Jones. I'm not saying that that doesn't mean Graham Jones may well be responsible for all of that, but it's this binary thing. Where, like suddenly, like any performance, good performances before in the season, Steve Bruce didn't get any credit for those when we did some good performances in the past, but as soon as they've like we've got someone that we can give credit for it, it's like, oh it 's all down to this new coach who we've never f- fucking heard speak, and we'd never heard of until
0: two minutes before he arrived it- also they do seem to be saying that he is Bruce's appointment, so it's a bit like if your roof is leaking. And you go well. I need to get a roofer in to fix that. And everyone's going, "Oh, this roof has sorted the fucking roof out at last." What did you do? <laughs> like, it's me that made that happen. <laughs> Even if, if it is down to Graham Jones, it's still because the decision made was was made to bring him in. But I, it's fine. I think, I, think comes- I would.
2: I think I would. I would agree with that analogy. If the the problem wasn't that like you're a roofer yourself. Steve Bruce is a Premier League manager.
1: Okay, so why do we have coaches? Why do do football squads have coaches? Why don't they
2: just have managers? Hang on a second. Hang on. Steve Bruce is a Premier League manager, and for the majority, overwhelming majority of this season, even in games where we've won, the football's been bad. Right? Bad. Last season, very similar. Majority of the season was shit. The credit's going to Jones now. Because the fans, understandably, go, "Well, hang on a second. We've been absolute shit for ages. Something changes. New new coach comes in. Suddenly, with no no hint of it happening beforehand, suddenly we're the playing." Second,
0: the second half against Leeds is the suddenly bit, though. That's the thing. It, it started before Jones came in. It's like
2: suddenly well, that was. That Before was effort, or... and that that was effort. And like I said on the podcast, then after I, the Leeds I, game, after, after, after the Leeds game, I said, I said that w- looked like a team that was. Uh, it was a must-win game for them, and that's why the players put the effort in, and that's why they looked a bit more hungry. Mm. I said that in the podcast. The quality of the football in the second half against Leeds wasn't better. We were just trying harder. That's the only There's a cherry so, picking so this... of
0: things, though, to say this is the only possible explanation. Whereas you could also say we were a mid-table OK team. Then we got COVID and an injury crisis. And by the time we had all our players back and available, we had an upturn.
1: And, and, just, to go to what, and just to go to what Jordy actually says, he says, we were absolute dog shit for a dozen, ma- dozen matches. Look like a different team now. Most players didn't seem to care, and now the players are fighting for the cause. He's not talking about a new way of playing. He's talking about players fighting for the cause, which they apparently uh, weren't he, doing until, he, until
2: uh, Graham Jones arrived. Well, I'm looking at his tweet, and he says, why were we absolute dogshit for a dozen matches and look at a completely different team now? Now, when I read that, he's saying... We yeah, were and performing the next
1: sentence badly. Is, let's analyze we let were... Ash's tweet today, Dave. <laughs> the next sentence is most players didn't seem to care, but now players are fighting for the cause.
2: These are two different statements. These are two different questions, rather. He's he's <laughs> saying that we were performing badly. And then he he was also saying, and we were also not caring. That's what I
0: it have just... to be about Bruce and Jones for fuck's sake. It's 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 it's, mad, it's mad. That's what the question is. It's mad. There's a collective madness in Why do you two hate Graham Jones and our fans? Fan
2: you hate Graham Jones and you hate our fans? I just it's, think he's
0: it's, it's all gone it's mad. Just, yeah, it's just not Steve Bruce it, is not a good Premier League manager, but Dave, why
1: Do you and your friend Jodie Ash Mm-mm. denounce people? Talking about pictures of Graham Jones giving instructions to Newcastle United players <laughs> and saying that, and, and Steve Bruce being in shot, not giving instructions to Newcastle players, and saying that this somehow tells a story. Do you denounce
2: that, Dave? I won't speak for Geordie Ash, but yeah, you I denounce personally that. denounce that. Thank you. I think they're so Denounce Israel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Uh well, we'll leave it there. We we'll, I expect we'll come back to it. But as with most things, I like to try and pl- you know play all sides. I'm not saying that Graham Jones hasn't made a difference. I just I just hate this new thing of like how cat I think the most annoying thing about it is that the arrival of Dr- Graham Jones has given Newcastle fans an excuse to enjoy us playing and not give any credit to Bruce. I think if that performance, exactly as it was against Southampton, had happened and there had not been the arrival of Grain Jones, then there would have been a lot more whinging about how we had got ourselves into that second-half situation where we were backs up against the wall and it was all down to um, Steve Bruce's choice, Hendrick... And the only reason we were good in the first half was because Joe Willock had arrived and that was somehow nothing to do with Steve Briss. There'd be a lot more, that's what I
0: think. And And it would have been like, this is exactly what was going to happen when you pick your best central midfielder at centre-back. It's, yeah, there's a real just having to break football, which is so intricate and complicated, down to ones and zeros. Like, it's either this or it's that. It can't be nuanced at all. And it, it ruins the enjoyment of, like, this Saturday was a really fun Saturday of football, which we don't get often. And it's really annoying to have that and then look on Twitter and it all be like, what is Bruce
2: doing? Stop
0: looking at Twitter I mean, then. It's, I know it's I, my fault. I watched, I, I'm complaining watched, about something that I'm signing up to look at. I do get
2: that. I that. Enti- I watched the entire game and at no point did I think about Steve Bruce or Graham Jones, or the conflict on Twitter, or the binary nature of partisan life. I didn't. I thought about the 11, 10, 9 players on the pitch. Do you know I'm, why, Dave? What? Because what? I'm an, a better man than you two. You're enough. <laughs> oh, That's a callback. Anyway. it's
0: this from five years ago. <laughs> <But> <laughs>
1: Let's no,
2: move it was the fuck a... on.
0: No,
1: yes. it's nice yeah. to finally get a coach. Who gives instructions to the players?
2: (laughs) Uh, You have to have the last word, don't you? You have to have the last word. Sorry.
1: No. Sorry, I'll keep going on about it. Reaction to the photos. (laughs) I I think that is the most (laughs) embarrassing thing that I've seen a fan base do ever. Robert Elliott says If you had to have a portrait of a Newcastle player, past or present, tattooed on your body, who would you choose and where would you have it? Uh, I think I would go for um, Johan Kabai's face over my face. <laughs> just, I would just have a tattoo of his face on my face and hope that that made me look better.
2: He was a I very fit. attractive man. Yeah, I thought mm. you would take a very risky. Like, I would never have a more attractive man tattooed on my body anywhere so i think i'd have to go clarence acuna and right. that, i'm safe regret, and i'd have yeah. it
0: as a warning
2: in a thigh in a thigh just
0: i think i'd have philip albert's chip of peter schmeichel but going from one buttock to the other <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> with maybe like a 5-0 and my ring piece being a zero. Because oh, it's tasteful, but it's like. Would the
2: crack of your ass be. Would you crack of your It'd ass be one form of the posts. Of The goal. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Lovely.
0: It would be a. Uh... Yeah, ass. You say
1: ass,
2: Dave. We've Just... got American listeners. I don't know. Wanna... Oh, yeah. I appreciate that. That's very good. Um, Robert Why do you think they've been
0: saying sidewalk all the time?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Robert Elliott also says uh, being Geordie X Pats. Uh, which I guess refers to all of us except Paul, who is not a resident of Newcastle. Uh, being Jordy expats, have you ever fancied supporting somebody else instead of the two? Um,
2: do instead of, have- of no, like in addition to, yeah, I live uh, not too far away from Stockport, so I thought about going to see them on the regular. Also, live quite close to Alteringham, so. Yeah, I could go and watch another team, but Mm. instead of... You've never never even actually gone to watch those teams? Yeah, yeah, I've I've seen them a couple of times, but I mean go and watch them every Saturday, yeah.
0: I think I have different levels of support for other teams, but I'll go to Dulwich Hamlet games every now and then, even like Crystal Palace games, even though it's the same league, I don't mind going along, but it's not the same level of support. I don't think you can have that same level of support for two teams. Like no team winds me up as much as Newcastle or makes me like, stand during the last half hour of a game. As a student, I went to Manchester City when they were
1: in the third tier of English football. I went to them quite regularly and uh, found a growing aff- affection for them, which I now very much lo- no longer feel because they're a completely different club. But as I've mentioned many times, I did go for a period where I went to Leighton Orient a lot and in a weird way, felt like they had become my club because I went to them so much. I felt like a genuine affinity with the players and the club and, and everything. Yeah, but, um, it's a different experience. I'm finding that whenever I actually watched Newcastle, or certainly I went to a Newcastle game, that that the feeling that I got in my belly was a lot more intense.
2: Yeah. I mean, similar to you, when I was down in London, I went to AFC Wimbledon a lot and ended up going to, to a couple of their playoff games and, and watched them get promoted and celebrated with the players in the pub and all that kind of thing. And it was fun, but at no point would I choose that over a Newcastle game. Sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, Andy Sheldon asks, if, if, ASM, Alan Sam keeps playing the way he does. Do you think we'll be able to keep hold of him in the next window? He's so far and away superior to the rest of the squad. Surely he should be competing
0: to actually win things. He has just signed a six-year contract, hasn't he? That doesn't keep you safe at Newcastle, though. That's more about the
2: transfer you. you can command. But I that's what it's... I'm
1: saying, is that means that the transfer fee would be very high. And he does come with quite a lot of baggage, I... so.
0: I don't think he'd be at the club if it wasn't for COVID at the minute. I think other teams, if they'd had the money in the last couple of windows, would have made a move for him. Like you, sort of Leicester's or that level of Premier League club would have offered £30 for St. Maximin and probably that would have been enough to get him. I think the future of a lot of our players depends on any kind of takeover. I think if Ashley stays next season, then Wilson, St. Maximin, maybe even Almiron would be a good offer would be enough to get them out.
1: I might be wrong,
0: but I don't think that, uh, I think the same
1: maximum will be with us for at least one more season because of the signing of that contract, because there aren't many football clubs with much money to spend at the moment. Mm. I think his fee would be high. I think since he's been with us, how many games a season does he play? He does get injured a lot. And he does have a reputation for when he's not injured. There's always a lot of chat around and before he was with us of him being a bit of a problem. So that doesn't make, make him not an amazing player who could be an asset to uh, the right club and the right manager at the right time. But I just think all those things together make me, and I'm very pleased about this, Make me think that he'll be with us for at least one more season.
2: Yeah, for me, the the amount of money that we would demand for him would rule out a lot of the clubs where he'd be first choice um, winger, and the the teams that could afford him comfortably, like Man City or whomever, wouldn't want him because he's not consistent enough. There's not enough to his game. Um, I think he's at that top end of the, the Premier League but outside the top five or six clubs and I don't think many teams in that bracket would pay the, the fee that we demand for him and like Paul says if the the trans, if the takeover or a takeover goes ahead in the summer then I think he'll stay for at least another season or so just to you know reap the benefits of that
1: and uh, we've got one more uh, sort of comment on Twitter from uh Stephen M. Sharp, who says, something light, something light to talk about after your big fight last week. Well, we just had another, another one. Paul sounds just like Noel Fielding. <laughs> this is what Stephen M. Sharp thinks. Please, uh-huh. just close your eyes and listen. Oh, and prove to me Paul Dummett is not Chris O'Dowd. I mean, I'm, I'm not really in agreement on either of those things, but if it works for you, Stephen, then fair play. But maybe you say,
2: "Yeah, Paul, can you say something about I don't know unicorn tears and something like that? Something Noel Field-esque, Noel Fielding-esque.
0: It's a bit whimsical for my liking, to be honest. (laughs) The Noel Fielding (laughs) humour,
1: right? Sure, yeah. Just say something about a pineapple
0: driving a bus. Come on, yeah. Imagine a pineapple driving a bus.
1: No, I can see it. Yeah, Yeah, it felt like you were doing an impression then, though. But, like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. maybe. All right, okay. We can wait no longer. The the (laughs) hordes are at my door, chanting, demanding. We want life after love. We want (laughs) life after love. Well, I'm pleased to say that Dave has prepared some life after love. If you are new to the game, which is sweeping the nation, it's, it's, in the, it's in the running. To, Bradley Walsh is currently sweating because it's going to replace The Chase. You won't need Pointless on BBC One anymore because it is going to replace Pointless. It will replace both Pointless and The Chase. It is the game that sweeps the nation. Life after love. The rules are, Dave... Is Before trying, we get
0: too far into the rules, yes. I think our listeners need to hear when we finished the pod the other week Fergus told us what the song Life After Love always made him think about which (laughs) I think needs refreshing
1: oh it was running around a a movement studio hungover uh, during my drama school years listening to Cher's song (laughs) Believe Uh, there you go
2: Man of the People
1: man of the people hey I never said I was I've always, you know I've always been an outsider a renegade Dave yeah. okay uh all right the rules of the game are Dave is going to uh, give us a player that who we have to name we have to guess that player based on clues those clues are Dave will name a club that that player played for after Newcastle the first club that they played for after Newcastle then the next club, then the next club, and we'll keep going until either me or Paul can guess who the player is. Have I explained it clearly? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, idea. All right, let's do the first one.
2: <sighs> it's tense. First club after Newcastle: Reading. Wayne Routledge. No. Cannot think of a
1: single player who went to Reading except
2: for maybe
1: Leon Best.
2: No. Second club after Reading, Fulham. Aaron Hughes. No.
0: Damien Duff.
2: No. I thought you'd get this one pretty quickly third club after Reading and Fulham Blackburn
0: oh, the Reading is just
1: completely yeah. throwing me
0: Paul Kitson
1: no because Reading were a lowly team in Paul Kitson's
0: days um... Are you sure it's not Wayne Routledge? can you check your notes again <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm sure. Mm. Reading, mm. Fulham, Blackburn. <sighs> Come on, lads. Reading is just. Stop focusing on Reading then. Well,
1: Fulham and Blackburn, I mean, Damien Duff obviously played for them both, but Blackburn was prior.
2: Mm. Never
1: played for Reading.
2: You might get it on the, the last club, but I'd be surprised if you get it from the next one. Keep so going that's... Three. No. Go on. The next one, Mitra Kukar, which is an Indonesian association football club. I had to okay. Google that. I'd never heard of them. So we went Reading, Fulham, Blackburn, Mitra Kukar. Any guesses? No. Paul? Give me one more
0: well, I'm just going through the Mitra Kuka players in my head.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Michael Chopra. No. He didn't play for any of those clubs, did he?
0: Shaka Hislop. I was just thinking about players who collected a lot of, like... Shaka Hislop played for Reading, though, didn't he?
2: He did. Well, I think... And then the the final club he played for? Walsall. Ah...
1: Ah, oh, I know this because I I have mentioned I mentioned this player Lua, Lua? a few weeks ago.
2: He's currently It at, is not Laolawa. No,
1: I let me I've got, it's Danny Guthrie.
2: Yes, oh, Danny Guthrie. Yes.
1: I have no memory of Danny Guthrie Danny Guthrie going to Reading and I have no memory of Danny Guthrie at Fulham.
0: His no. his
1: his career post Newcastle was a void for me until a few months ago. I saw that he
0: was playing for Walsall. He's really in the uh, Darren Ambrose, like category of former Newcastle players. In fact, I put Darren. I don't. I I had a
1: question about Danny Guthrie on a previous Newcastle Net pod playing for Walsall. Okay, go ahead. Well, uh, give me another that one. Feel,
0: that feels like it's unfairly weighted. As a yeah, that was a tough.
1: That was an incre- Was that the tough one, Dave? No, you that wasn't that the tough a really one. tough
2: one. That was a tough one. Okay, after Newcastle, this player played for Wigan.
0: James Perch.
2: Yes. Boom. Straight away. Wow. P dog. Cool. Well done. This is the tough one. Ooh. After Newcastle, this player moved to Universidad Autónoma de Guadalajara.
0: Sorry Diego for Diego Diego. Yes, Diego oh. Gavilán. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that there's somewhere in the... Resi- I think I must have been on Diego Gavilan's <laughs> Wikipedia page 40 times. Because I, I, I just always... <laughs> putting it like, I just, you know, like... A few I times, can't believe that. That's about nice. one quarter, or should I say Q, I... <laughs> I, oh, that was a reference to something that we said not on the podcast, I think. Um, <laughs> every few months, I sit there staring into the nothingness and thinking, I wonder what happened to Diego Cavalan. He's had a, he's had a very
2: busy that. career. Yeah, I'm sure. He's had 10 clubs after Newcastle. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming he's yeah. retired now. He's probably. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's, I saw something in the Chronicle where he, um, Christian Basadas, Clarence Acuna, and um, Marcelino all met up in Asuncion for like a drink and, <laughs> and a catch up. This is bizarre. Yeah, is. Wow. Um, okay, last one. Oh, there's a last, another one. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Let's
1: keep going. Why not? This is for us to get one back. You're very welcome yeah. to turn off, but if not, play yeah. <laughs> it. Now, play at home, join in on Life After Love. Here we go, another one.
0: Or just mute for a couple of minutes.
2: The <laughs> at the end. <laughs> Clubby joined after Newcastle was PSG. Uh, about.
0: No. Oh, there was another one. Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? Do I get another guess? No, not till Love. No. That one. Oh, freaking hell, who was it?
1: come on Paul this is not no, this no, is no, not no
2: it's going to be wrong
0: No, no. it's going to be wrong but I'm going to say David Rosenhall
2: no club after PSG is Leeds oh that's thrown me yeah
1: it's not Hassan Ben is it no no uh, Vernon Anita never went to PSG, did he? <laughs> no,
0: uh, was another one who went to PSG. Who was it? Oh, this hurts.
2: Give us another one. Um, after day. Leeds Espanol.
1: Oh, he's a very—I mean, I'd, he's lived in a few different countries. Yeah. And different—I'd love to have a conversation with him. Uh, mm, did he go to PSG because he was French, or did he go there because he was good?
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's the detective coming out. Um, oh, this is going to really annoy me because I remember seeing another one when I was preparing last week's Life After Love, someone who went to PSG that wasn't Johan Kabay. And I was like, oh, that'll come in handy.
2: Uh, Didier Domi. Yes, boom, oh, Paul. Well Didier done, Domi. Paul. Boom. It's 2-2. Well done. Didier Did
0: Domi go to Everton or have I confused him with Alan?
2: I no, think you're thinking Didier, of Distant.
0: Distant. I think
2: Didier it.
1: Domi scored the first goal that I ever saw a Newcastle player score live for the first team.
0: Mm-hmm. The really?
1: Way, uh, Goodison Park.
0: I think my first Newcastle goal in the flesh was Alan Shearer's first Newcastle goal.
1: And it was it was the
2: his friendly against Lincoln,
0: Lincoln
2: right? City yeah nice I mean I can do one more if you want but if oh my god draw... I mean it's just we might as well I mean yeah. it's we're
0: rinsing okay. this game I think we might stop we're with in like... lockdown we might as well lock the view, the listeners in with us
2: okay first permanent club after Newcastle United Cardiff City Craig permanent. Bellamy no not Bellamy, Bellamy. Oh. we've already done that haven't we Fergus um
1: I'm assuming it's no one who's been mentioned before because that would be
2: right unless it unless it was Michael Chopra it was Michael Chopra Ooh. nice that's it 3-2 well done Fergus well you done. win life after love thank you
0: alright I won you it. fireworks <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, God. God, that was fun. All right, so our next game—if you're still listening—I <laughs> mean, if I think if I was a listener, I think that's the bit I'd be most engaged in. I'd love that
0: game. Yeah, it's um, the bit that makes me feel most like I'm in a pub. I like it for that. Sure. <clears> yeah.
1: I mean, that's the—that's a little um insight in for you there into what it's like to go to the pub with Paul Doolin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is normal. I mean, the words Craig Bellamy get said a lot because it's mainly football questions to which he is the answer.
1: Yeah. So, uh, our next game is on uh, Monday night, Monday night football. Are you ready for some football? Monday night football, Monday night sky sports. We are away at Chelsea football club. What do we think is our, um,
0: uh they seem to have a very right, good right. they seem to have a very solid defense under Tuchel and we'll have no Callum Wilson so i th- mm-hmm. think i'd be happy with a performance on a par of what we've had in the last few games and regardless of the result
2: yeah, yeah. i'd agree with that um i don't think we're going to get a result i would be I'd be surprised if we did, so I'm going to go like a two-nil loss. But that's fine. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to turn on Graham Jones just because of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. Like I just to hope I, s- as I, long I... as he talks to the players. That's all I want to see. As long as Jones keeps yeah. telling the players what to do.
1: I'm going to be optimistic and predict a two-one loss. Um, but yes, if if we get to see something. If we even get to see something from the uh, heady days of the pre-Graham Jones era, such as against Liverpool and Manchester City, much better sides, but where we put in a lot of uh, fight and effort, I would like to see that. And um, It'll be interesting
0: to see if we go to five at the back, like we traditionally have against better teams. I kind of hope not, just because of the amount of centre backs we've got missing but who knows
1: I really I really hope that we don't I think that one of the um, features of Steve Bruce's reign has been a lot of chopping and changing and not giving things a chance to work yeah we do have something that is working to a degree at the moment and no matter who the off position is, I'd rather just sort of stick with it for a while. Mm. I think I'd, as well... I'd, agree
2: with, I'd agree with that, but the only the only thing I would say is that we might be forced into a change of formation or system because of because of the personnel we've we don't have available. Um, but I agree. Like if you've got something that is working. Even if it's just the performances are better, right? I say stick with it. But I, I just don't know if we can because we just don't have the bodies.
0: I think though we've surely got enough centre backs. We've got Krath for Manquillo. I'd happily go Gale for Wilson. Keep the same shape.
2: Hmm. Surely, yeah, yeah. Be... I mean, to be honest, lads, I'm. I'm. I think I've been pretty confident of relegation, but looking at where the bottom three are and where we are, well, like 10 points clear of the bottom three. I think we'll need, from the next, what, th- uh, was it 60, um, next 15 games, I think we need like three or four wins and a few yeah. draws and, we're, and we'll be, you know, sufficiently far away from Fulham to, to stay up. So I'm not really that bothered about this game against Chelsea, or the the game that follows against ban U, because they're not the ones we should be targeting three points from. So I'd rather we keep the keep the players that we can keep fit, fit, and attack a different game later on.
1: It's amazing how quickly
2: things can change. Just like, in, and just in terms of,
1: it's not like we're suddenly a, a club that's going places or anything, but just a couple of results, and and now relegation really does feel quite far away. I mean it would be it'd be, it'd be different if Fulham and West Brom were breathing down our necks but they're, they're not it's not working out for them. Fulham are playing alright but they're not getting the results and Allardyce at West Brom it's just not really worked out so.
0: Yeah I think my main hope for the rest of the season is just if we can be safe with sort of three or four games to go and just see players like Elliot Anderson coming in Having a little bit of a run. That's sort of thats all there is to really get excited about.
1: But it would also be nice not to have, because we did have last season a situation where we ended up pretty much safe with about 10 games left. And I'd take that and now. That led to a lot of, yeah, but it also led to a lot of bad performances, a lot of bad football. Mm. We were sort of crap. So it'd be nice to, to have to just not, not look downwards and instead look upwards and just
0: yeah. see how well we can do. We I could think we'll, still we're going to finish top half, you never know. You
2: never we could do, but I think honestly we're going to we're going to end up roughly where we are now and that I mean f- given we went on a on a an horrendous run um that's fine for this season. Fuck it, it's, yeah. it's another Credit season in the bag.
1: Credit to Steve Bruce for turning it around. All right, um, <laughs> so, uh, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, uh, Dave Watson.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Fergus. Good...
1: Thank you, Paul Dylan. <laughs>
0: thank you,
1: <laughs> and thank you to you, uh, the Newcastle <laughs> the Thank you very much. Goodbye.
0: Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours.
1: It's called What Has He Said Now and is available wherever you've got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.